When I was a kid, there was a game that I played with my older brother. His name is Jim. He's four years older than I am. And the name of the game is Mercy. Anybody familiar with the game Mercy? Okay. Has anybody ever played the game Mercy before? All right. For those of you who don't know about the game Mercy, I, I really need a volunteer to help me demonstrate it this morning. So, Eddie, okay. All right. Eddie, come on up. Come on, Eddie. You can do it. Come on, buddy. All right. So here's how it goes. You actually interlock fingers like this. And I chose Eddie because I know he won't hurt me. Um, but what you do is you try to bend the person's fingers back until you afflict enough pain for them to say what word? Mercy. And then what happens when the person says mercy? What are you supposed to do? Show them some mercy, right? You release your grip and end their pain. So, Eddie, let's, let's play a little game of mercy oh, here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Hey, this morning, the topic of the message is mercy. Yeah, we're continuing this message that's based on the Sermon on the Mount, a, a message that Jesus preached, and this is found in Matthew chapter 5. And if you're using one of the Bibles that we provided, it's going to be on page 785. But I want you to take a look at your outline, because here's the big idea, again, for this message. It says, Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is about who you are and who you can become as a citizen of God's kingdom. An entirely different kind of life is possible when you do this. When you allow Christ to rule in your heart by embracing him as your king. Now in these verses from Matthew 5, Jesus continues to describe the people who do that. People who embrace him as their king. And there is this word that is used repetitively. It's the word blessed or blessed. And we've seen in the last few weeks that to be blessed is to experience this, this sense of peace and joy and contentment regardless of what's happening in your life, because you have a close connection with God. And so this morning, I want us to look at this next statement that Jesus makes about what it means to be blessed. And he says this in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And here's a statement about what Jesus is trying to teach us, and this is on your outline. Truly joyful and content is the person who is merciful for they will receive mercy from the king. Now, think for a moment about the people who first heard Jesus speak these words. Where's Jesus speaking? It's called the Sermon on the Mount. So they're on a mountainside. They're hearing Jesus talk about mercy, but they live in a world where mercy is really hard to find. I mean, think about the Jewish nation. Their country is occupied by Roman soldiers. Do you think the, the Roman soldiers had much of a reputation for mercy? Oh, absolutely not. And slavery was widespread in the Roman Empire and throughout the Jewish nation. And it was in the first century that the Colosseum was built. And some of you know the history of the Colosseum, a place of unbelievable cruelty and incredible lack of mercy. And then you think about these, these Jewish people that, that had the Old Testament scriptures. I mean, they understood that there's a lot about mercy in the Old Testament. And typically, it's something extended by the powerful to those who are much weaker and in particular, it's seen as an attribute of God. Look at this verse from Deuteronomy 4. For the Lord your God is what kind of God? He is a merciful God. So what exactly is mercy? Maybe this illustration will be helpful. Let's say that you're driving down Boynton Beach Boulevard. What's the speed limit? Does anybody know on Boynton Beach Boulevard? 75? <laughs> yeah, we have a problem right off the bat, don't we? Okay let's, go, okay, let's say that you're going 75, all right? And you get pulled over, and the police officer walks up and says, um, here's your ticket. Um, 
That would be an example of justice, wouldn't it? Because you're getting exactly what you deserve. A speeding ticket for going 75 in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. Or it could be a 20-mile-an-hour zone, depending if you're by the school there. All right, now what if, what if the officer comes up and says, hey, listen, um, you need to slow down. You need to be more careful. But he doesn't give you a ticket. What would you call that? That's mercy, because you're not getting what you deserve. But imagine this. Imagine the officer walks up to your car, and he looks at you, and then he looks at your tires, and he notices that your front tires are a little worn. And he not only doesn't give you a ticket, he says, you know, you need to get those tires replaced, so here's $500 to do that. Now, what do you call that? A fairy tale. <laughs> Crazy. No, that's called grace. That's grace, because grace is getting what you don't deserve. Now, look a, look, take a look at this statement on your, on your outline. It says this about mercy. Mercy is God's loving kindness toward his people expressed in his covenant with them. Mercy is the quality in God that directs him to withhold his punishment and judgment. Mercy, and here's the definition, is not giving us what we deserve. Grace, on the other hand, goes beyond mercy and is when God gives us what we don't deserve, a new life when we're adopted into his family through faith in Jesus. Church, you've heard me say this many times before that the local church is the hope of the world, and it really is. I believe that so much. And the reason that the local church is the hope of the world is because of its people and because of its message. We have a message of hope that people desperately need to hear. And this message that God has given us is about justice and mercy and grace. And here's what I mean. The Bible tells us very clearly that all of us, every single one of us, come into this world with a heart problem. You can't see it on an EKG, but it's there. It's a spiritual problem because our hearts pull us away from God, away from his plan, away from his purpose. And, and God says, hey, I want you to love me with all your heart. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Who does that perfectly? None of us do. And the Bible describes us with a three-letter word. What is that word with an I in the middle? Sin. And the Bible says God is holy. God is sinless and we are sinful. So our sin separates us from God. And it also says this, that God is a God of justice, so what is justice? Getting what you deserve. So what do we deserve for our disobedience? Well, the Bible says what we deserve is to die and to be separated from God forever. So if God did that, if God said, okay, listen, you, you've chosen your own way, you're going to be separated from me and everything good for eternity, that would be justice. That would be getting what we deserve. But thank God that he goes beyond justice. He goes to mercy. And remember, mercy is his loving kindness toward people, the people that he made. And in that loving kindness, in that mercy, he allows his son Jesus, second person of the Trinity, to come to our world. And Jesus does what no person has ever done. And what is that? He lived a perfect life. And that qualifies him uniquely to die in our place. And when Jesus is arrested, and when Jesus is beaten, and when Jesus is hung on a cross, it is the collision of justice and mercy. Because God can't just set aside his justice. He can't just look the other way when we break his laws. Jesus is the one who dies the death that we deserve. Jesus takes on himself the justice of God and that justice literally breaks his heart. It crushes him. But for us, we receive mercy. 
Because we are covered, as the scripture says, by the blood of Jesus. We are shielded from the righteous anger, the just judgment of God. And that's an incredible thing, isn't it? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But God goes beyond justice and beyond mercy to grace. Because when you decide to follow Jesus, when you say, Lord, look, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior, and I believe that you died for my sins. I want to follow you. When you do that, God adopts you into his family. That's grace. God gives you a new record. He gives you a new identity. He gives you a new potential to live in a way you never could before. That's an example of God's grace. And remember the big idea of this message that an entirely different kind of life is possible when you do what? When you allow Jesus to rule in your heart by embracing him as your king. And also this idea that this sermon is not just about who you are. It's about who you can become and you see, the person that God wants us to become is somebody who is ready, willing, and able to extend mercy to others because in doing that, we become more and more like who? More and more like Jesus. So there's two main questions that I want to address this morning related to mercy. The first is this. Why should you be merciful to anybody? Why not just give them justice? And the second question is, okay, if I decide that I'm going to be a merciful person, how in the world do I actually do that? What does that look like in practical terms? So, first of all, why should you be merciful to others? Here's the first reason, and this is so powerful, because God has been merciful to you. God is willing to pour out his mercy on you. Look at this verse. It's actually a, a question. Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? Now, I need to tell you the backstory for this verse. It actually comes from a, a story that Jesus told, and he was trying to explain what his kingdom is like, and he said, hey, um, the kingdom of God is like this king, and he was going to settle accounts with his servants. So he calls in this guy who owes him an unbelievable debt. It's like $30 million in, in today's currency. And there's no way this guy can ever repay the king this debt, and so the king decides that he's going to take his wife and his kids and him and sell them just to recoup some of his money. And this guy in a panic falls on his knees and begs for mercy. And he says, listen, just be patient and I'll pay back everything I owe you. And the king has compassion. The king mercifully says, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive your debt. You are free to go. Now, what happens next is kind of startling. Because this guy who's been forgiven a debt of like $30 million goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him like 30 bucks. And he grabs him by the neck and he starts to choke him and he says, hey, hey, pay up or you're going to jail. This guy falls on his knees and says, hey, just show me some mercy, man. Just be patient, I'll pay you back everything. And the guy says, no way. And he calls the jailers. And off this guy goes. Now when the servants of the king hear about this, they are really, really upset. And they tell the king exactly what they've seen. And the king is furious. And he calls this guy in and he says, you wicked servant. I was willing to forgive that, that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? And it says, Jesus is telling the story in his anger, in the king's anger, he takes this guy and puts him in jail until he pays his entire debt. Now, that really is a shocking story. I mean, it was, it was meant to be shocking because is it really possible that somebody who was forgiven a debt that huge would be unwilling to forgive a much smaller debt. Well, is it possible that people could get together on a Sunday morning and hear a sermon about being merciful? 
and say, God, thank you so much for all your mercy to me. And then on Monday morning, go out and treat the people in their lives with a distinct lack of mercy. See, church, God expects us to be merciful because he has been merciful to us. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond an expectation because God also commands you to be merciful. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. Look at this verse from the Old Testament. It's from Micah. Made God's top three list in this verse. It says, and what does the Lord, what's that next word? Require. This is a requirement. This is a command. What does the Lord require of you to act justly? Because justice is important, and God knows that, to act justly and to love what? To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And here's why humility is so important. Humility is when you're honest about your faults and your failures and your flaws. That's humility. And a person who's willing to do that is a lot more able to extend mercy to others because of their faults and failures and flaws. But if we're honest with ourselves so often, we're not thinking about mercy when people hurt us. What are we thinking about? Justice, about making people pay, about giving people what they deserve. I saw a sign, actually a photograph, uh, on the wall of a church-owned property in Baltimore, and it said this, trespassers will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And underneath it was signed, Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> That's just who we are, isn't it? Here's another reason to be merciful. Number three, being merciful to others benefits you. Being merciful to others benefits you. Remember what Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. When you show mercy to others, it brings you a sense of peace. It's, it brings you a sense of joy because you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And look at this verse from Proverbs. It says this, a merciful person helps himself, but a cruel person hurts himself. And then this is another verse from Proverbs that says, your own soul is nourished when you show mercy. Think about that. Your own soul is nourished when you show mercy. Well, those are some pretty compelling reasons why we should show mercy. And what are they? What is the first reason? You can tell me. We just talked about this. Okay, God's been merciful to us, so we should be merciful to others. What's reason number two? He commands us. And what's reason number three? Yeah, it's good for you to be merciful. So the question is, well, how can we do that in practical terms? Well, first of all, we can do this. We can help those who are hurting. We can help those who are hurting. Here's a story about that. It goes like this. Walking home from school, Mark noticed the boy ahead of him had stumbled to the ground and dropped everything he was carrying. Mark hurried to the boy's side and helped him collect his belongings. Surprisingly, the boy was carrying an especially hefty load. There was a baseball glove and a bat, a couple of sweaters, a small tape recorder, and an armful of books. Mark helped him carry the things home, and his new friend Bill was most appreciative of his compassion. During the walk home, Mark discovered that Bill was struggling in school and had just broken up with his girlfriend. When they arrived at Bill's house, he invited Mark in for a Coke, and they spent the rest of the afternoon talking, laughing, and watching TV. Although the two boys never became real close friends, they kept up with each other throughout the rest of middle school and high school. Several weeks before graduation, Bill approached Mark and asked if he remembered that day when they met when Mark helped him with all of his stuff. Mark nodded as he remembered. Bill then asked, 
did you ever wonder why I was carrying so many things that day? Without pausing for an answer, Bill explained he had cleaned out his locker and was going home to take his life. He had been storing away sleeping pills and was headed home to end it all when Mark happened along to help him out. Bill told Mark how that simple act of compassion inspired him to go on living. He said, Mark, when you picked up my books that day, you saved my life. Friends, every day there are people around us who are really hurting. And what we need to do is slow down and open our eyes to see them. Look at this verse, again from the book of Proverbs. It says, whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Well, here's another way to express mercy. Be patient with people's faults. Be patient with people's faults. And this comes right from Scripture. This is from Ephesians chapter 4. It says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Have you heard this one before? Um, women may have many faults, but men have only two. Everything they say and everything they do. Now, how many of you have any faults? Yeah, we all have faults, right? I, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have any irritating habits? <laughs> Annoying behaviors. <laughs> we all do, right? And who knows that about you better than anybody else? I'll tell you who knows that about me. She's sitting here on the front row, my wife. Isn't it true the people at home know your quirks and all that stuff, right? That's why mercy begins where? At home. Mercy should begin at home. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of couples over the year, married couples, and I've observed that marriages, marriages don't die in a day. They die over time. When people are not patient with each other, when people aren't honest with each other, when people don't work out the issues that need to be resolved. But when we do what this verse says, when we're patient with each other's faults, because of our love, it changes everything. That's what causes a marriage to thrive. And the bottom line is this. If you want a good marriage, it requires mercy. It requires mercy. Well, here's the last way to show mercy. This one is huge. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive those who have hurt you. I was reading this week about a powerful revival that is sweeping Southeast Africa. And there are three countries in particular. Let me put a, a map up um, of Africa here. The countries are Malawi, Mozambique, and Tanzania. And there's a group of people that live in these countries called the Yao, uh, Y-A-O. And for years, they were considered unreachable because they're so staunchly committed to Islam. They're Muslims. But what happened is that one by one, people in these villages started to believe in Jesus. And because of that, they were facing intense persecution. They were being hurt physically, economically, by other people in their family, other people in the villages. But instead of running away, they decided to stay and to try to show the love, the mercy, the compassion of Christ to their own family members, to other people in the villages. And 
God started to move. And now, this is an amazing story from Voice of the Martyrs, entire villages have become Christian. The whole village, everybody's accepted Jesus. And the mosques where the, uh, the people that you know, follow Islam, that the Muslims were worshiping, they're empty now because they're being used as Christian churches. We need to understand that mercy has this incredible power to change people's lives. Look at this verse from Ephesians talking about mercy. It says this, don't get bitter or angry or use harsh words that hurt each other. Don't yell at one another or curse or even or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. Think about this. Think about the person who has hurt you more than anybody else in your life. That person needs mercy and forgiveness. Or think about this. Think about the person that has hurt you most recently. That person needs mercy and forgiveness. I remember listening to a pastor talk about mercy and forgiveness one time, and he said this. He said, we always need to remember that hurting people hurt people. That's certainly true. Hurting people hurt people. And when you are hurt, who are you usually most concerned about? Yeah, yourself. I mean, it's just our natural instinct. Somebody hurts me, I'm concerned because I've been hurt. I've been offended. I was thinking this week about Jesus and how when he was being nailed to a cross, he was concerned for the people who were pounding in the nails. Remember what he did? He prayed for them. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't have a clue what they're doing. Church, we need to remember that when we're hurt by other people, and we will be, and we have been, that God wants us to go above and beyond concern for ourselves. He actually, as crazy as it sounds, he wants us to be concerned about the person who hurts us. Because when we do that, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. But here's the deal. We can't do that in our own strength. I don't have that much love in my heart. But I know somebody who does. And so as we open our hearts to the mercy and the love and the grace of God, we can extend that to others. Let me just close with, with this. There was a, a story I read about Abraham Lincoln this week. It was at the end of the Civil War. This is when the northern states had defeated the southern states. And President Lincoln is delivering this address to a crowd of people. He's standing on the balcony of the White House. And toward the end of his speech, which was all about reconstruction in the South and what they were going to do, there was a very famous senator from Iowa named James Harlan. And he stood up and he shouted, What are you going to do with these rebels? And it was a really good question. What was going to happen to these Confederate troops who had been defeated? Well, the unmerciful crowd had an answer. They shouted, hang them. Hang them high. On the stage that day with President Lincoln was his 11-year-old son, Tad. And Tad looked up at his father and said, Daddy, Daddy, no. Don't hang them. Hang on to them. And Lincoln smiled at his son 
And he addressed the crowd and said, Tad's got it right. We're not going to hang him. We're going to hang on to him. That is mercy. And you think about this. If somebody were to ask you, hey, that person that hurt you so deeply, what do they deserve? What should we do with them? Sometimes we feel like saying, hang them. Give them what they deserve. Could it be that God is calling us not to hang them, but to hang on to them? To pray for them? To forgive them? To even seek reconciliation? And listen, let me be quick to add, I understand that the reconciliation is not always possible. Because sometimes the person that you need to reconcile with is no longer living. Sometimes the person that you need to reconcile with has hurt you and you know that they will keep on hurting you. And so for that reason, reconciliation is not going to happen. Or it could be that you really want to reconcile, you really want to repair this relationship, but they have no interest in it at all. However, we can do this. We can pray for those who hurt us. We can forgive those who hurt us. Because when we do, we bring joy to the heart of God because we are becoming merciful just like our King. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your mercy in our lives. God, your mercy um, heals our hearts and sets us free and gives us hope. And God, today we pray that you would help us to be merciful to others. God, remind us that life is too short and too precious to hold onto our hurts and refuse to forgive. And God, I'm thankful today that you know how hard it is to do that, to really forgive those who have hurt us. And God, help us to realize that when you call us to love our enemies, you don't just give us the command, Father. You give us your love so that we can give that love to them. And God, today I pray for the person who's here this morning and maybe today they have been hurt. They've been beat up by life and they've never received your mercy. They've never made a commitment to follow Jesus. God, I pray that today would change everything for them. That today they would say, God, I need mercy. I realize that I've, I've let you down. I've let down other people. God, I have so many failures and faults and sin in my life. And today I want to turn away from that. I need a new life. God, I understand that Jesus actually lived and died so that I could be forgiven. And I want to accept that forgiveness. And I want to follow him. And God, thank you that you always hear that prayer. Lord, for those of us who are part of your family, those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, forgiveness is an ongoing challenge, an ongoing way of life. God, would you do this right now? I just want to stop talking. God, if there's somebody in our life that we need to forgive here and now, would you please do this? Bring that person's name, that person's face to mind and enable us, God, in this moment to extend your grace and your forgiveness. Father, you have been so incredibly 
merciful and gracious to us. And we are thankful, God, that when we were lost, when our lives were broken, that your mercy found us.